Yeah, Nystrom. Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drops and Bob Gartner goes right to King Plattenberg. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. So, what has been uh, the hot topic in the hockey world lately? Uh, probably nothing, right? Oh, no, no. That's right. It's the return of the Battle of Alberta. So, the league would like to tell you that people don't like fighting, and fighting is bad, and CTE, and... Mm-mm. Well... The reality is the three most talked about games in the NHL this season has been Calgary versus Edmonton, Calgary versus Edmonton, oh, and um, Calgary versus Edmonton. See, the reality is people do like some intensity in their hockey. They do like some violence in their hockey, and uh, it's nice to see a little bit of spirit in the game. Now, I know there are some blah, blah, bloggers out there and the Corsi kids and the Corsi clowns and the new age nerds that will write until the end of the day and talk on their podcasts until the end of the day about how this is such a terrible thing and it sets the game back and all this really, you know, beta male type stuff that it's just so sad to listen to. I spent a portion of my day yesterday reading some... Uh, responses to Terry Ryan you know Terry Ryan he was a first round pick of Montreal uh, played several years pro Uh, he's very active on social media so uh, Terry knows a little bit about hockey he grew up in the game his dad is a former pro player so to try to explain to Terry Ryan about the NHL and hockey in general uh, is pretty idiotic unless you've been there but these people they tried and they tried to convince Terry that the way he feels about the Battle of Alberta and how exciting these uh, this little series has been uh, is wrong and how uh, violence in hockey is wrong and physical hockey is wrong. It's laughable. Uh, I can only read some of them before I wanted to jump off the roof of my house. Um, it's, it's really laughable that these people think they're going to educate a guy who's a hockey lifer uh, and has been there and has been through the wars. But uh, but they, they try. They try. Well, more power to you. Uh, you're so set in your ways and you, you want to white knight everything. But, you know, it, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, people like this stuff. And, by the way, because they're not old enough to have seen when the Battle of Alberta was really the Battle of Alberta, um, the stuff that's gone on in the last three games has been great to watch. Uh don't get me wrong, it's been phenomenal, especially for 2019-2020 hockey, but 
the stuff that's gone on in the last three games is nothing, absolutely nothing compared to what you saw when Calgary played Edmonton in the 80s. doesn't compare to Islanders Rangers in the 80s, Quebec, Montreal, Montreal, Boston, any of those old Chuck Norris division games. The stuff that's gone on is violence personified for nowadays. But if you go back, if you're old enough to remember how the Battle of Alberta used to be, this is nothing. It's really, it, all the stuff, if you take what's gone on in these three games, you know what that's called in the game Calgary versus Edmonton in 1982? The first period. That's the first period. This stuff is not that big of a deal. So I think the people that are whining about it, whether you have your blog or you have your podcast, and I'm not, obviously I'm not making fun of podcasts because I'm, you're listening to mine right now. Uh, but if you're whining about it, just dry your eyes, baby. Just dry your eyes. People like this stuff. And the league has been depriving people that like physical hockey, the product that they want for years. And now we get a little bit of a taste of it and everybody's up in arms. So once again, to the blah, blah, bloggers, the Corsi clowns, the new age nerds, the uh, stat crew, because you know what? You can't measure heart and stats. But to all you guys out there, um, tough shit. People like this stuff. Go back in your mom's basement, break out the calculators, break out the tissues, and uh, suck it up because this is only a matter of time before it gets right back to the same product that you think is wonderful and not a lot of people do, but that's okay. So, um, other than that, today I'm bringing you part two of my talk with Mick Vakoda someone who uh, is very well-schooled in old-time hockey, was a big part of it in his career, and provided hours and hours and hours of entertainment for Islander fans like myself. Uh, last week, I was a little under the weather, so I didn't really get into that much of an introduction, but I really want to thank Mick for his time. Um, a lot of times trying to schedule stuff with people who work full-time and have families uh, is very difficult, and you'll see by the time part three uh, drops next Monday that uh, I think Mick, in total, these three interviews, these three parts of the interview are going to end up being over seven hours. And uh, what do you say to the guy that uh, has a family, works full time, that is willing to just sit and talk with you uh, for seven hours or so? So Mick, if you're listening, I really appreciate the time. It means the world to me. And, uh, you know, I, I know the feedback so far has been tremendous on uh, part one, and uh, I hope for the same for part two and three. So, everybody, thank you for uh, tuning in because uh, I've done a little research over the past week about uh, the options you have as far as podcasts go. So, in my particular genre, there are a few. Uh, Fourth Line Voice uh, who really, as far as I know, was the godfather of this uh, hockey fight interview genre. I mean, I don't miss an episode of his show. Uh, definitely check him out. Um, Five for Fighting by Alec. I always say he's the baby of the group. Uh, he does a tremendous job. Uh, William at the Biscuit, he does a great job also. Um, he doesn't just bring you enforcer talk. He talks to some other people. So 
uh, he's uh, his show is always enjoyable. And then there's a shit ton of Islander podcasts out there that I, I can't believe. Uh, so uh, if you're actually sitting here listening to me talk right now uh, with the options that you have, it really means the world to me. And thank you very much. Uh, so uh, if you have some time and you missed the previous episodes, uh, I interviewed Dean Ewan, uh, Paul Cruz, and Mike McWilliam. And of course, there's uh, Mick Vakoda part one. So uh, we are available on many different platforms, every platform where you find your favorite podcast. Please subscribe, like, rate, and review the show if possible. I think that helps me. I don't know how. Uh, but if you have a moment even to just you know, like it and re rate it, even if you don't review it, although that would be great, uh, I appreciate that. Um, other than that... Um, I guess that's it. I have now spoken for about eight minutes and you wanted to hear Mick Vakoda. I don't think there's anything else I need to say. I'm sure I will think of it once I stop talking, but I now, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> the most important thing. So, uh, this interview today was actually part of two, uh, two separate sessions where I spoke with Mick. And both times there were some technical difficulties. So um, there, throughout this interview, there will be some time where it looks like, uh, where it sounds like we're extending our words or uh, there, it, it basically glitches while we're speaking. Uh, it doesn't affect any of the content, but sometimes it does sound a little weird. Uh, I want to assure you that Mick and I are both fully cognizant. We don't have speech impediments. Uh, and uh, if you hear anything that sounds like a, a little off, it was a technical issue, and uh, I do apologize for that. I don't think it changes any of the content, so um, just wanted to warn you there. Uh, again, you're still going to enjoy it. Mick is an unbelievable guest, so I think that's it, and without further ado, I present to you Mick Vakoda, Episode 4, Part 2. Have a great day, everybody. So this brings us to the 88-89 season. Uh, in uh, the season before, you spent the majority of it in Springfield. You played 17 games or so with the Islanders. So going into that training camp, uh, was the, the role, the heavyweight role, was that yours for the taking? I'm not sure if it was mine for the, for the taking because there were a lot of guys that absolutely are capable of doing that. But... I mean, I think I mentioned earlier that, you know, Brian Kern was the, you know, guy um, for the Islanders, and Dale Henry was probably secondary, but most teams had, like, three or four guys, like heavyweights. And um, I think because the Islanders were so tough from, you know, goaltending all the way through captaincy they didn't really need like you, you know your predominant guy like they didn't need like a, a, a heavyweight um, so I, I think what happened is I just looked at the opportunity and I was like I'll, I'll go in there and it's Brian Curran um, and all these other teams in that you know back then it's the uh, Patrick division it was just crazy you know like everybody had two or three heavyweights so I was like let's go like, if I'm going to go fight, go fight all these guys I know, which is kind of how I <clears throat> ended up on, on the island. So, uh, 
So, um, in, I think this was the season, if my research is correct, that uh, in an exhibition game, I think it was on the island, is this, did you fight John Cordick twice in the game? Uh, I don't know if I fought him twice. I fought him, um, I know I beat him up good. And it, it was weird, because I knew he's a lefty, and I know he's wicked tough. And he's older than me, so... You know, and the background, Joe, is he's Croatian and yep. my family's Serbian. So there's like a little bit of that, mm-hmm. like, which I don't think he cared about, nor did I. Mm-hmm. I think we all felt like, you know, back in the day it was Yugoslavia. So um, I had respect for John, basically. Uh, and when I fought Kordic, I'd never really thrown left until that fight and then it just worked out mm-hmm. um, and I think that's kind of how you like you figure things out you know like you don't really know but you know you learn and uh, after <clears throat> excuse me now did he try to get at you in the hallway after the fight I uh, I think he was a little agitated out in the hallway you know, his nose was still bleeding. Like, I think he was a little bit out of whack. Like, I think there was more going on with John than um, than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. He he. I think he tried to fight me at Bright Fellows. That's what it was. Not not not. I saw him in the hallway at the Coliseum, mm-hmm. and then we ended up. Remember Bright Fellows on Hempstead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up at Bright Fellows on Hempstead. And and the owner of the place, who, who I knew, just kept coming up to me. He's like, Cordix, uh, just not going to let this go. No shit. And I'm like, what are you telling me? Like, like what are my options? <laughs> he goes, well, I, I think either you got to go or he's got to go. <laughs> and I go, well, what if I make him go? And then they just rolled their eyes. <laughs> and they were like, we'll get him out of here. Yeah. Because like, that was usually a stop for me on the way back to... You know, depending on what night of the week was, I would take Hempstead and then, you know, hammer Wontog down on the North Shore. And yeah. I don't know. I love living on Long Island. It was it, it, It's funny, funny, because my friends from Canada would come to visit and they would be like, how do you deal with all the traffic? Because just think mm-hmm. about, like, the, where we grew up, there, like, you would drive hours to see somebody. somebody. Like, you literally would get in your truck and be like, 45 minutes to go see Joe. With nothing in between. And so my friends would come to New York and they'd visit and they'd be like, oh my God. What's with all these freaking people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, well they're try- they, yeah, they're, they're working. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to get into the city or they're trying to get to their work. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, it, for me, it was I fell in love with it um, because I felt the passion of the people. Um, I think the other part was like the people that came to visit or uh, uh, relatives, best friends, whatever came. They just couldn't grasp the concept because unless you live here, like unless you live on Long Island, you don't actually know how important it is to be relative like you just i love living there you know so that was part of my thing 
met I met my first wife there. You know, Hostra. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it was crazy. Like I, I just I thought it was amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's not bad here. It's very expensive, but um, other than that, it's pretty nice. It's uh, it's way more expensive than when you were here. Yeah. No, I get it, but I don't. You know. It's not nearly as expensive where I live, well, Martha's Vineyard, wow. and or I went by my house um, in Centerport, um, and there were no houses around me when we built that house. And then I went in there, and I was like, "Holy Jesus!" And Mike Hordy lives at the front of that road. He's like, "I know, I know." <laughs> yeah, you develop, you develop everything, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So when the when the season started, um, you I think you started out west and then you came back home and it, it didn't end up being a home and home with Vancouver. I think you played Montreal in between, but in Vancouver you fought uh, Todd Hawkins, who was pretty underrated. And then uh, at the Coliseum you dropped Larry Melnick with a beautiful, beautiful shot. Do you remember those fights? Uh, I don't remember Hawkins, so I do remember Melnick, because I think it had something to do with Brent Sutter. Um, and I'll say this all day long, like, the the leadership on, with the Islanders, <clears throat> from the day I got there until the day I left, um, um, was amazing. You know, like, if you ever play on the line, you know, take a shift with Brent Sutter, he's like, I don't even know if he could beat the, beat the shit out of the custodian. <laughs> but, He's going to try. Like, he's willing to try. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll fight anybody. Yeah. Um, and I think when you play with him, you learn, like, it's about being fearless, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, so, I guess my point is, uh, <clears throat> I just, I, I didn't get it until I got there. Um, and the Sutters were, were amazing. Yeah. Like, they treated us, they treated everybody um, so well. Yeah. Just, they're, they're just great people. Um, and I'm sure that was passed down to them from the Gillies and the Nystroms and the Smiths, you know, and the Hennings. Like, I'm sure it's just, like, every Trots, like, Potvins, I, I'm sure it's just, everybody did what they had to do for each other. Like, I, I watch stuff now, Joe, mm-hmm. and I listen to the way the guys talk. I really think, like, the the totality of what they accomplished was not what they were expecting. They were just trying to win a fucking hockey game. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they had no <laughs> idea they were going to go on to win four Stanley Cups. Or they were going to, you know, dethrone the, 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 the Broad Street bullies or... They're going to stand up to the fucking Bruins. Like, I don't think any of them knew what they were, or, you know, come back from a 3-0 and in Pittsburgh. I don't think any of them knew. Yeah. They just were like, let's, you know, go grab a shower, get our shit together, and let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is probably my favorite part of that group. Um, I, I learned more from not knowing than I did from asking questions because I really believe that that group of leadership was pretty amazing. 
So the Melnick, what did Melnick rough up Brent Sutter, or did it, did something happen there? Or? Oh, I think he slashed Sutts. Mm-hmm. Um, he slashed Brent, you know, on the way by, and then, it, it, you know, that was a freebie. It's like, you know, I don't know. Anytime you drop the gloves, you have no idea what's going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. He could drop. He could drop you. You could drop him. But I did catch catch him with a fresh one. Yeah. Oh, it was a nice one. So and that, and Melnick's tough. So it wasn't like you uh, knocked out a Swede or anything like that. So, you know. Right. Um. So as we'll get as we got into already, and we'll get into over the course of this, you were very active with <laughs> some of the fans, and uh, there was a game at the Coliseum against the Rangers this season. Uh, you fought Ron Greshner. Mike Stevens was up on recall. He fought Thomas Sandstrom, and Richie Pilon fought Ulf Dahlman. Uh, Ulf Dahlman. Dahlman. Uh, Ulf Dahlman. Definitely no relation. Um, and when you skated off the ice, do you remember when you threw your helmet at the Ranger fan? Well, I don't remember when I threw my helmet at the Ranger fan. Well, I remember like this fat ass hillbilly <laughs> in overalls with a Van Beesbrook jersey standing over the rail calling me every every name in the book and I'm like dude all you gotta do is step over the rail poor poor let you know he's no longer with us Jim Barone yeah was, I know Jimmy uh, yeah. calls, and I'm friends with his son James uh, I'm like he just looked at me he's like don't <laughs> I'm like I'm not yeah. like Jimmy Brown like just looked at me every time and he knew I was but I'm like I promise Jimmy I won't yeah and he was like okay and the minute he let his guard down I ripped my helmet off and I fucking tomato squashed that <laughs> guy right in the face like it went pow mm-hmm. and then it fell yeah and I was like I was so happy right but Jimmy's like your helmet I'm like Jimmy I got like fucking five of them he's like I gotta get your helmet so like half the security guards took me to the back and then Jimmy left and the next next thing I know I'm in the locker room and Jimmy's like got a cut over his eye Mm -hmm. and he's got a bloody lip and he's like handing my my helmet I'm like he's like don't ever do that that." I'm like what are you are you out of your fucking mind Jimmy it's a fucking helmet he's like don't throw your helmet I gotta get that home. <laughs> I was like, I'm. I was never so. I don't know. And but and it's a true story. Jimmy and I, and I hit that fat fuck right between the tomatoes. Like I hit him right in the face. And they show. Oh, it. They don't show you hit him on TV, but they do show Jimmy. And back then, he wasn't. If he he wasn't a supervisor, or if he was a supervisor, he was still. He wasn't wearing a suit. He was wearing like a regular security uniform. So they show him actually sure. running to pick up the helmet. So it's just if right. like like you know him and and I knew him. Uh, so it's just funny if you know him to just watch the whole thing unravel. So you know. Oh, he's just like I'm just gonna go get his helmet. Yeah. <laughs> oh my, Jimmy. I mean, first of all, the guy was leaning over. He's almost like one of those like Water Boy episodes, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Like he's leaning over. He's like, "What are you gonna do?" But I'm like, dude, your face is right there mm-hmm. could you move your face yeah. like if you move your face i probably won't throw my helmet <laughs> but his hands are at his waist mm-hmm. he's in his overalls and he's got his you know van Beesbrook jersey on yeah. and i'm like ah, i don't know i gotta send something 
it was it was always the same group. You know, going to the games back then, you'd always see the same group of people, and it was just like for me, I loved it because. You know, I mean, unfortunately, the Ranger fans always always came out in full force. I think there were a lot of them that didn't want to go to the Garden, and they'd end up here at the Coliseum. But that was uh, sure. that, that was a thing of beauty. So uh, I only wish I was down with law. I would have grabbed your helmet, stuck it in my jacket, and walked up and tried to escape Jimmy and keep it for myself. Now, you know, Joe, what, what, one of the funny thing is, one of the funnier things is, like, when I, when I like, chose to live on Long Island, year-round, like, when mm-hmm. I... Um, yeah, and I wasn't making a lot of money. I was just like making enough money to play for the Islanders. And um, at that time, my wife was going to Hofstra Law, mm-hmm. and she was ecstatic. And but we love Long Island. She she went, you know, uh, not Hofstra Law, sorry, Toro Law. She mm-hmm. went to Hofstra for college. And uh, like I loved Long Island. Like my buddies would be like, "This place is fucking insane." Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, it's not. It's really not. Yeah. Like there's parts that are so awesome and yeah there's like parts that are sketchy whatever that's like right Mm -hmm. um so my favorite part was we built a house in northport um i want to say but well so Derek king and his wife and i live we shared a mother daughter in, in in centerport northport for probably two and a half three years Maybe 97, 98, no, 96, 97. So I got saved enough money to, I got my last contract to build a, build a house. And uh, my wife was going to law school at Toro. And uh, we, we had no kids. We, we uh, I got a Rottweiler. I also wanted a dog. Mm-hmm. Got a Rottweiler for her. So when I, when I was on the road, and then every now and then I would get a package on the porch and it was like the code sucks <laughs> Rangers rule are you serious that's what I got Joe I'm, I'm, uh, so I'm just telling you like, so I'm at the end of a cul-de-sac and I'm like trying to think like who does that right so like, we could have ordered like maybe we were ordering baby blankets so I think Marilyn might have been pregnant what Whatever the point was, I was just getting, like, frustrated that this dude would drop... Because I was away. Maybe I was at the gym and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I said to Marilyn, I'm like, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I'm going to get the Rottweiler. I'm going to get the dog loaded up. Like, he's... I'm going to leave the gate open. I got to stop this guy. And Nicole's mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just don't want shit anymore. Rangers <clears throat> rule, Dakota sucks on my fucking mail that I'm ordering from wherever. Mm-hmm. Right? And she's like, fine, just let it go, let it go. So I'm not I'm not lying, Joe. This is a true story. Let's say it's a Thursday afternoon, ten AM. I hear the the uh, UPS truck pull in, but he stops at the driveway. Talk. And he's gotta run like two stories down mm-hmm. and then a story up to get to the porch. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the way the house was set up. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there in the window and I'm like, oh, this is the guy. <laughs> Look at him. He's so fucking nervous. So I run out. I, let, I latch the gate. I'm like, let the radio. <laughs> so the kid runs up and he's like scrambling and he's dropping boxes and then he turns around and there's the radio. <laughs> 
in the driveway <laughs> between him and his truck. Oh, Joe, it was the most amazing thing. Oh. And I just walk out in, in my boxers. I'm like, hey, what's up, my man? How are you? And the kid's like, it's not me. I'm like, dude, dude, dude. I would never snitch rap or tell on anybody unless I asked. Mm-hmm. And he just stared at me. And I go, so, it's not you. So I guess what you got to do is go back and tell whoever it is that if I see one more fucking thing on my package that says Go Rangers, I'm going to knock your fucking teeth down your throat. And then you can explain to him that it's not you. Yeah. And the kid's like shaking. He's like, I was like, you listen to what I'm saying? You're not going to get beat up. I'm going to beat you up because mm-hmm. you can't beat him up. <laughs> and that's how our conversation ended. <clears throat> and did it happen again? Never. Nice. Never. No, no. Uh, you know, that's the problem with Ranger fans. You know, they it's all fun and games until you threaten to knock their teeth out. And then all of a sudden, then it's like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. No, and I didn't even care. I just—it's like my personal mail. Like, dude, yeah. stop. Right. I know. Right. And then, when, then, then when he's like, "It's, it's not me. It's somebody in handling." And I was like, "Ah, you're like, you even, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, you're a snitch too. Yeah. Like, somebody's got to die. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to get beat up. Right. Exactly. It's like when you have to, when the guy won't fight you, so you got to go and threaten the star player. Hey, if he doesn't fight me, I'm gonna have to rough you up. So it's similar to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like. Well, you know, you and I have had this conversation before. That's like the Rob Ray. Thing. Yeah. Like you tell Rob Ray, we got to go. No, mm-hmm. we don't. I'm like, I'm going to run your goalie. Mm-hmm. He goes, so? <laughs> I'm like, you care that little about your goalie? He yeah. goes, pretty much. <laughs> I, well. I mean, like, I'm now I'm not going to run your goalie. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to, like, spear your goalie in the throat. Like, I don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. How you don't care? Mm-hmm. I don't like Glenn Healy a lot, but I, but I, I I'll never let anybody run him. Mm-hmm. You know. Like, <laughs> well, we we're gonna touch on Rob Ray in a little bit. So uh, we get back to this season. Yeah, uh, this season you fought Jake Caulfield quite a bit. Was there anything personal with that, or it's just uh, he was the big guy on Pittsburgh, and you know you wanted to uh, you know say hello. Yeah. No, I, I don't know, Joe. I don't think I was like. <clears throat> There's like a, a phase of where I, I feel like I don't like I got <clears throat> tougher, or mm-hmm. maybe not tougher. Like I'm more confident in my fighting ability. I don't think Jake Caulfield was somebody that I fought where I became a better fighter. Right. Um, I know we went to Pittsburgh for a game, and he was pushing a military jeep across the parking lot mm-hmm. um, prior to us you know, accessing the igloo for a pregame, like, you know, going in at, like, four or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, the guy's pushing a Jeep. They're like, oh, yeah, he trains. Push. I'm like, ah. I'm yeah. like, um, I'm going to try to punch him in the face. I yeah. just my thing. See how that works. Yeah. But, but in all honesty, I, I did respect mm-hmm. uh, Jay. And, and, yeah, he's a big dude. Mm-hmm. Um there's probably only like three or four guys, honestly, Joe, that I fought that I 
wouldn't want to fight again. Mm. Gotcha. And you know, that, you know that's Joe Kosher. Mm-hmm. Um, out of respect, Tony Twist. Mm-hmm. You know, out of respect. I don't know if I'd say pro B. Like, I don't. I don't think I have enough of a sample sample size. Mm-hmm. Like, I think pro B probably would kick my ass five out of six times. But I also believe that on any given night, um, lightning strikes. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, so that's fair. Um, but yeah, it would be. Coco and, and Twister, like guys that I, I and Dave Brown, yeah. who just beat the fuck out of me because he could, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I ever see his dog, I'll fucking kick it too. <laughs> um, so going along with, you, ha- you know, the job and how you did your job and you protected your teammates. So um, you mentioned before about Brent Sutter with Larry Melnick. So you played a game at the Coliseum uh, against Buffalo. And Kevin McGuire took a pretty big slash against Mike Stevens, and then you raced. I mean, uh, you had a you had to go a pretty good distance to get at him. And uh, you know, do you remember that? I do, and I, I remember Lauren Henning. So Lauren Henning is one of my fifth favorite all time people through the Islander organization. Organization where he's like always like, I think he's just like I don't know because father's from out like they're from Saskatchewan and. His nickname's Crow, and he, I think he just liked me because he knew, like, I really wasn't that tough, but I'm, like, willing to go after shit. Like, yeah, I'll give it a whirl. Uh, um, and that fight, Lauren Henning pulled me aside. Like, he literally grabbed me in the locker room after that game because it was a nothing game. Mm-hmm. I think we were, we, you know, we were eliminated. It was maybe second or third last game of the season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, McGuire turned around, two-handed cat in the back of the fucking legs. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't a big deal. It was in our end. And I'm like right mm-hmm. there. But I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Like I was looking at it at it because the puck was in the corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Lauren Henning just going, Mick, like that kind of respect from your teammates will go a long way. Yeah. And I still believe that. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't think, right? I just reacted. Yeah. Oh, it was tremendous. I mean, I was there. I remember it. And, I mean, you heard the swing. I mean, he took a big baseball bat swing at his leg, so you heard it in the crowd. And you're like, what the fuck? And the next thing I know, I see you bolting in there, and it was awesome. Yeah, and, you know, Mike Stevens and I saw each other this year at the uh, 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 alumni weekend, and he's like, you know, thinks I like cat. Listen. First of all, I fought him in Hershey. Hmm. He's not one of the guys I want to stick up for. Not for nothing. Okay. <laughs> right? Like, he's a little sketchy back in the day. So, but he's my teammate. He's, mm-hmm. he's my line mate. Um, I mean, you and I could probably pick out 10 people right now that would do the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. From that, you know, in that era. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, it's not that big no, it's not a big deal, but you know there are there are also some guys back then that may not get there as quickly as you did, or you know may maybe not get there at all, or just get there and kind of grab on. Um, and that to me is it's a complete one eighty from what you did. 
So it, it's it also makes an impression, but not the opposite impression. Like, what are you there for? You know, like if you you're there, and at that point you weren't. You know, you were still. You know, it's only your second year pro. So if you don't do anything, that also makes an impression, but not in the way you want it to. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'll tell Joe. I, I mean, this is like the um, the the analogy or the you know the eulogy of my whole career. If you want to dissect whether I wrestle too much, or do you want to dissect whether I'm toe to toe, or do you want to dissect whether I went like heavyweight to heavyweight? Um, I think all of those are legitimate, like you know, questions. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can say in my defense is like when I'm pissed off, I fight. Yeah. Well, so, and very seldom is it about me. Mm-hmm. Like, if it happens to a teammate, um, for whatever ever reason, whether we are in junior, the American League, um, you know, my career in the NHL, like, if, if I am upset about a teammate and I don't think about the consequence, I'll just let her out. And for the most part, I do all right. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't, I don't think I'm perfect or... someone to be afraid of but I, I think I'm worthy of uh, I can go mm-hmm. you know I'll go well I think um, first of all a lot of times when people criticize anybody in forces or anything like that most of the time it's people that have never done the done the job done the task that they're criticizing um, and I think people that understand the role know that you know it's not always winning or losing or whatever it's showing up so like for someone like me where i'm not like you say you're not perfect i don't think i'm perfect and there's a lot of people like me that understand the role better than others so on a night like that let's say you go in and you defend mike stevens and then kevin mcguire beats the shit out of you like to me that doesn't matter like to me it's like mcguire just hit stevens you went in and defended your teammate so maybe if and and he didn't beat the shit out of you but if he did i'd be like well i don't give a shit the guy you know mick went in and did his job so it's not you know there's people are people find fault with everybody with uh you know proby and twister and these guys are you know going back in the day uh clark gillies had too long to fuse nick fatiu his fight card you know like there's always something that somebody's going to nitpick about so i guess the important thing what you know however you feel about this stuff is i don't know a single islander fan that doesn't love you so well, I don't know. There might be that guy at yeah. Taco Stand. You know. Well, that's because you gave him a shitty tip, but that was it, though. <laughs> so. I've never, <laughs> Joseph, ever given a shitty tip. I'm like the guy that made $2.2 million, million um, and rocked it out like he made $8 million, Yeah. And then is like, what? How much do I owe, I owe you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that year, you also spent... Three games in Springfield, uh, thirty-three penalty minutes. Yeah. Was that? Did you go down for conditioning or anything, or was that a? a, a yeah. A, okay. So what was that about? You went down for conditioning and still managed to get thirty-three penalty minutes. Well, I, I didn't go down to fight. I yeah. just went down like yeah. I don't know. Like I, 
Raids was like just go down, go down and play. Like I think everything about me was like I was conditioned from junior. Like you know, you gotta fight. You gotta be ready to fight. You gotta be ready to fight. Mm -hmm. So then you go down and they're like, hey, we just need you to play. You know, they put you on like a top line. And the next thing mm -hmm. you know, you're like trying to find fights. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what the fuck is wrong with this kid? <laughs> so I think it was like as fast as I was down there, they were like, they couldn't wait to get rid of me. And then when I got back up, Al was like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know, Al. I just want to fucking be here. He's like, fine. Mm. Stop talking. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think, if I'm not mistaken, though, when you went to Springfield that time, if I'm not mistaken, if, if, if my memory is right, they gave you, like, jersey number three, didn't even have a name on it. So it's like they were trying to hide you, they gave you defenseman number, and you still managed to get 33 countenance. Yeah, I was just, like, cuckoo the whole night. And they were, they were like, just come in, leave, I know. And it was last minute, too, in their defense. So. Yeah. So uh, you just mentioned Al Arbor. So when you started the season, Terry Simpson was still the coach, and then he was replaced, sure. and he was replaced with Al. So that was really your first extended time with Al Arbor. So um, I guess what was your first impressions of him? I mean, obviously, I'm an Islanders fan. I think Al's a legend. Uh, I'm sure, I know how you feel about him, but for those people that don't know, um, what were your impressions of Al when he came in? Yeah. Oh. So honestly, Joe, it was like when Ter when Terry Simpson was terminated um, we, we were like basically on a morning skate of a game day um, we were told Al was taken over Simso was fired um, it's pretty emotional for a lot of young guys me being one and uh, Al just skated over and put his arm around me and I was like hi you know, and I'm like, I, I didn't know everything, right? I knew who Al Arbor was, but mm -hmm. I just didn't know everything. And he goes, uh, I understand you're upset. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, the guy brought me from the miners and gave me a job, and I, I'm letting him down. And Al goes, you're not letting anybody down. All right, you're going to play tonight. You do the best you can. You're not letting anybody down. And like at that moment, I was like, fuck, I'm not screwing Terry Simpson. Um, I didn't even know, like I really, honestly, Joe, I knew nothing about raids. Mm -hmm. I was just like, fine, I won't let my coach down. And I think that was like the first time, like we just, I don't know. I think he got me. Like, I was just that guy, you know, mm -hmm. that fourth-line guy that would eat shit, do whatever you want, but will never let you down. Mm -hmm. And that, obviously, I think you hit it on the head because next season was your first full season. You no trips to Springfield, nothing. You played 76 games that year, four goals, 290 penalty minutes. Um... We have to jump, I mean, we have to jump right to October 20th, 1989 in Landover, Maryland. Um, explain to, to everybody how one goes about getting a natural hat trick in an NHL game. Yeah, hmm. I mean, 
I'd like to explain it better if Patty doesn't tell you that he takes credit for it because he sat down and talked to me about... I think I was going through a lull um, where I felt like I wasn't contributing, right? Like, so nobody wants to sit on the bench. Um, you know, nobody wants to sit there and not, not contribute. So, like, I don't want to take a shift in the first, shift in the second, maybe none in the third. Um, depending on the score, whatever. Uh, so I was just feeling like I wasn't, I don't know, I like I played hockey in junior. I played hockey in the American League. I, I was valuable. I was, you know, but I played. And all of a sudden I wasn't playing. And then Patty, like, sat next to me on that flight to Washington. He gave me, like, this whole speech about... Like, you don't know how important you are, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, fuck, dude. Like, you don't even care if I play or not. <laughs> but when I woke up in the morning, I really believed that he cared. Mm. In all fairness. Yeah. Because he took the time to say something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we were playing the caps, right? So I just went out. And then everything happened. You know, it was yeah. like three goals in five minutes. I don't know. You can't. I can't explain it. So you score. The, you score your first goal, and you've had goal. You've had goals in games before. So you score your first goal, and you're pumped. And that's like okay. So now I, you have your first goal, but now you go and you score your second goal. So now that's your first two goal game in the NHL. Right. Well, so the first goal. Yeah. Joseph is on a shift. Right, mm. and then we come off, and then he goes through his lines. Raids goes through his lines, so it's like, you know, we're fourth line. So he goes back to first, second, third. Now we go back out, and we score um, within ten seconds of that shift. So he leaves us out. Mm-hmm. You're not even thinking, like right, like I, you know, I'm not even thinking that I've scored two goals. I, I basically, I am thinking that we're up two nothing. Mm-hmm. Right, we're 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 in Washington. We're up two nothing. Um, nobody's saying anything. Donnie Maloney is my roommate. Jules mm-hmm. um, Thibodeau is our center. Mm-hmm. And then it just goes off the face off, bing bang bong. And then I just drive the net, and it goes off my skate, off my stick, in, and it's three nothing. Yeah, that's it. Like that's how fast everything happened. And the only thing I remember, and not the only thing, but one of the few things I remember about that night: a um, Terry Murray, sorry, Brian Murray, mm-hmm. waited for me out in the hallway because prior to signing with the Hunters. Um, the Capitals invited me to camp mm-hmm. and I only wanted to sign with them but Craig Buttons their GM said that I didn't you know nobody was going to sign me mm-hmm. so and my representative was like yeah he's got people so you want to sign him and they're like nope um, so that's why I didn't go to the Caps and then um, and then Al Arbor 
like grabbed me, pulled me aside that night mm. before we got on the bus. He's like, why did you tell the reporters you'll never again? Mm. I'm like, why did I tell the reporters I would never score three goals in five minutes again? <laughs> it's like, shut up. <laughs> I'm just asking you. Mm. I was like, I don't know. Al. I don't, well, what's the chance of me scoring three goals in five fucking minutes? He goes, you can do whatever you want. Like, that's one of the things about Al. Like, mm. if he believed in you, it was truly amazing. Now, am I remembering it correctly that you are probably the only person in NHL history to score three goals in five minutes and not be first star of the game? Uh, yeah, I believe so. <laughs> if you ask Pat LaFontaine, he'll tell you that I was. But I'm telling tell you, I was not. He got the game winner. He, he scored two goals. He scored a goal and the game winner. And that's where they made the... the the player of the game. Yeah. That's why I remember. I remember him being the first star of the game. I couldn't believe it. No. Trust me, I couldn't believe it either. <laughs> and, and I love... I, I love... Some five minutes. Yeah. And, and I fought fucking Al, Al Maisie, and I think I did okay in that. Yeah, well, we were going to... I was going to ask you about that. So did you fight Al May just to... So you didn't want people to think that you were just a goal scorer, so you decided that I better get no. in the fight, you know? No. No, if you watch that shift, he runs. He runs Theo. He ru he runs uh, Theodore, and it's not. It's fucking out, man. I mean, no, I, I know. I'm just I played against him. I know. Just yeah. you know, deck deck. <laughs> so, but he didn't have to run Theo like that. It, no. It's not necessary. Like no. Theo's a good kid. Mm -hmm. They were all good guys. Yeah. yeah. So um, renewing the Islander Ranger rivalry, he did fight uh, Chris King in the regular season. Uh, you you did a you did a number on him at the Coliseum. You remember that fight? Mm, no, no. Yeah. Well, I remember. You know, so I don't think you know. You know, Joe. Like I met Chris at Capitals camp. Uh, yep. Rob Murray, Chris King. Um, I know, obviously the Schofield, but like uh, Hatcher, Scott Stevens, Bob Carpenter. What a dick he was. He made me watch his fucking Rottweiler. Like, really? oh, what a dick. I've heard I've oh heard stories God. about him. I'm not surprised at that. You know, like, I've heard stories about him, about him too. Both, uh, pro and con. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm telling you, I sat in this trailer, and Rod Langway walked up and he goes, get in my car. Because <laughs> I was just sitting there and the fucking Rottweiler wouldn't let me leave. Seriously? And I, I'm like, I swear to God, Bobby Carpenter just walked out. He's like, keep an eye on my dog. What the fuck? No, it was fucking obnoxious. No. And that that's why Rod Langway and I, and I, I think to this day, are like, I was like, oh my God, you're like so amazing. Yeah. He was awesome to me. He was yeah. awesome to me. So, so um, early in the season... The Islanders acquire um, somebody from the Western League, a reputation for being tough. And I'll tell you my my story of the Islanders acquiring Ken Baumgartner. I don't know if you remember when you were here um, on the FAN, the sports radio, they had um, Don Imus was doing the morning shows. And um, I'm driving to school. I'm going to St. John's and I'm driving to school. And they, uh, Mike Breen, who does the Knicks games, I believe, he was doing the sports updates. And... Uh, they say, yeah, the Islanders acquire uh, Ken Baumgartner and Hubie McDonough from the Kings for Miko Makula. 
Now you know this. You know the parkways here. I literally almost drove my car off the parkway because I I was so pumped. I I was like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. So and uh, if I under fans that watch the games, I mean, a game or two before that, he had a fight I think with Alan Kerr where he did very well, and then a week later or so, now he's on the Islanders. So here's a guy that you know. And even though the team was tough, I mean, you have, there were a bunch of scrappy guys on there. Um, Bomber, he's just like that and more. Like, he's legit NHL tough heavyweight badass, and now he was coming to be your tag team partner. So uh, what was your reaction to that? Well, um, <laughs> I never, ever think he's going to be like my tag team partner, but... Um, I don't know. Like, honestly, Joe, like, I... Bomber's so much more um, than, like, me. Like, and I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just being honest. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, let's brawl. Let's play. Shut the... You know, now yous can't leave. Like, that. that's me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm that guy. Um, Bomber's never been like that. He's always been... Um, just say like he, hey, these are your options. Would you prefer to do this, or mm-hmm. would you prefer to do that? Um, was I excited when Bomber is coming here? Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, I think he's crazy, but mm-hmm. I also know, like, I mean, if you think about that Rat Ranger game, the uh, the playoff game that you know, the infamous. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, game one, I want to say game one. Yep. Uh, in the garden, mm-hmm. um, when Patty got carried off on the stretcher, and, and I don't think Knuckles did anything wrong, but I mm-hmm. think oh, Patrick cut across, and mm-hmm. Knuckles did enough to enough, you know, to mm-hmm. catch Patty's. Whatever, mm-hmm. it happened. Um. I remember listening to Bomber at the face-off, and he's like, no, I want him. I was like, all right, well, why don't I go over here and, like, take... He's like, nope, I want him. <laughs> all right, well, that's, like, five fucking people. Yeah. Like, can I pick one? <laughs> like, Bob, like, literally looks through me. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't care. Yeah, my way. Like, I literally... It's exactly who I knew Ken Baumgartner was. Mm-hmm. Like, not scary, just like that guy. Like, Cal- I don't know. Like that calculated. guy. I just believed him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I have some more questions about that game, so I'll hold off on those. But, uh, yeah, and when I say tag team partner, you know what I mean. Like a Probert and Coaster and, you know, guys like that where it's not anything, obviously, like tag team partner is just uh, a phrase. But, uh, one one question I have about that is now you you're um, obviously even though you always had guys that were played tough uh, most of the time during your career the bulk of the load fell on you when they acquired Baumgartner was there a part of you that was a little concerned that here's a guy that and even though he was a defenseman he plays a similar game to you did you feel like maybe uh, not that you had to step it up, but you know what I mean? Like maybe he could replace you or uh, did, was that, uh, did that ever enter into your mind? 
No, mm-hmm. no, that's true. Yeah. Like, uh, and goes <clears throat> all the way back to junior. Like, Bomber was like a whole different level of uh, physical mm-hmm. uh, intimidation. And then I'd already had, like, whatever I experienced on Long Island. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of guys, you know, that could fight um, up and down. Mm-hmm. And then you always try to pre- preserve your job, right? Like, you're always willing to... I don't even know if I, I knew what I was doing, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm just... But I'll go. Um and I think that's that transition. Like you're asking me a question about like that state. Mm-hmm. Like it's really honestly like th- there's a lot of stuff going on. But you're willing to like you're thinking like I don't know, and I might be wrong. But I'm like Mike Peluso, right? Mm-hmm. Like like there's a whole bunch of genres of guys that I'm going to fight. Like how will I do? Mm-hmm. Um. And the only thing I can always tell you is, like, as an Islander, I'll just fight. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, you certainly knew what you were doing, and we touched on this briefly. Uh, when that game in Chicago, that was a fun game for, not, for me as an Islander fan. And uh, obviously the highlight of the game was your bat without Secord when uh, when you got the call from your, uh, your parents where they scolded you. But now Al had a few years on you there, and he was a, definitely a recognized name in the league. So um, after everything happens, like, do you at all think, wow, I just pretty much knocked out Al Secord? Yeah. yeah. It's the last thing I wanted to think about, Joe, I swear. Mm-hmm. It was the most hor- worst thought that I could have. And, I, I mean, granted, like, the phone call, the, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the red light at the hotel room, mm-hmm. fine. I could deal with all that, but... No, I mean, and then I also understand, like, the difference between L. C. Cord knocking me out or, you know, me getting a good, a good shot in on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's one or the other. But, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you, try, you try not to think about the, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, you try not to think about the extremes. Yeah. Um, one guy who seemed like you had a UN bomber had a running date with it seemed like uh, and I don't know if there was anything personal but Ed Castellick of Hartford somehow you guys always managed to find each other yeah so it's funny you said that because I saw a fight like uh, this weekend I think this week I don't know why um, anyways yeah Eddie, first of all Eddie Castellick's Croatian mm-hmm so I don't know if you know I'm Serbian. I've heard. And uh, the the so these are uh, you know Catholic Orthodox religions. Uh, first of all, I'm nothing, but my parents are. Um, and then Eddie Castellick went to Capitals camp and was in Binghamton with me. And. Um, I think he was like amazing. Like he kept me alive. Because when I had the Andy Risto stuff, yeah, and he was literally like, "Dude, you're gonna die." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, when you say die," and he's like, "Stop." Yeah. <laughs> but he smiled like like uh, he knew I was just gonna keep trying. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm a big fan of Ed Castle. So. Okay. 
nothing bad. I know him and Bomber had a couple good problems. And he was trying to fucking save, you know, have jobs. Yeah. Keys. I get it. Yeah. He had, uh, you know, Mark Jansons. Mark Jansons was on that team. Uh, Chief Daniels. Like, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. Well, I mean, he had a he had a big blonde guy from Gull Lake, Saskatchewan, on his tail trying to take his job, Jim McKenzie. So that's enough to make anyone. Uh, oh, fucking Jimmy, man! Yeah. He's so gay. He's just a, <laughs> the kids got perfect hair. Whatever. So I think between him and Grimson, they got God and women on their side. <laughs> wow. Uh, so let's. So we'll get to the playoffs now. So we talked about the hit. Now, before, now, just amazingly that the powers that be left two seconds on the clock was phenomenal. And, I mean, I'm watching the game in my living room, and I see who's out on the ice, and I, I literally have goosebumps right now talking about it. So back then, I'm like, oh, shit, it's going down, it's going down. You're talking about the, the game at the Garden. Yeah, the game at the Garden. So, right. now, yeah. before your guys are but on Joe, the why, why is that, but, Joe, honestly, why is that, like, so... Um, I get it from your perspective. Right. But I'm just saying, like, think about this. It's an icing call. Right? Yeah. The home team has first change. Mm hmm So it's an icing call in our end. They put out Chris King, Mark Jansen, Chris Nyland, Ron Greshner, and Jeff Flumberg. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. our change, Al Arbor's changes, Brian Prache, Mexicota, Kevin Baumgartner, Green Island, I'm forgetting somebody. Gerald Diddick. Which is that? Gerald Diddick? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we have Patrick and Goal, and they have uh, Mike Richter. Mm hmm. Alright, so Bomber's doing this thing on the face-off, right? Um, I, trust me, I'll never, ever blame Bomber. But I'm just like, Bomber, uh, he's like, who do you want? Like, Chris King's standing right next to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'll just take Chris King. He's like, no, I want Chris <laughs> King. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, sorry, Chris. Um, can I go out to, um, and he goes, no! Gary Nyland's going off to Chris Nyland. And I'm like, oh my God. Well, why don't I just go to my D? Like, he literally looks and goes, yes. <laughs> go out to your D and do your job. All right. And I'm not, I'm not lying, Joe. Like, yeah. if that, that was the conversation of emotion that we had. Yeah. Maybe not that level. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But that was it. Mm -hmm. So was that the first time anything was discussed about that? Like when things first happened, uh, you know, Patty gets taken off the ice on a stretcher. Nothing's discussed on the bench at all, or nothing until nothing. that those two nothing. seconds. Okay. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Literally, it was like three icing, and the faceoff came to our end, yeah. and then Raids goes bloop, 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 mm -hmm. and I never once thought that he wanted me to fight. I never once thought that Bomber was going to get goofy, but I did know this guy. I played in the Western League, and I'd heard stories about Bomber. Mm -hmm. Here's the one thing I do: like, don't ever, 
not get on top of who you're fighting. Because, mm. like, Bomber gets crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that that was all I knew. Like, don't want to be submissive mm-hmm. in a fight. So, I'm like, alright, that's it. Like, for me, it's easy. I'm like, alright, don't go down. Alright, stay on top. Let's punch. <laughs> and you're on top. Fine, um, Yeah. So, that was it. So I thought, but I'll answer any honestly, Joe. I can. I, I'll answer any question about it. Yeah. I was more scared of what Bomber would do, mm-hmm. even though he would do nothing. Like if you knew it now, mm-hmm. he 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 has no desire to be that person. Oh yeah. But when he was in junior, he would fucking he he would create a whole different situation. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and actually, I've. Um, Back when I, years ago, I had, I just had a website where I would do interviews with guys that was just written stuff, and uh, I had reached out to him, and, you know, him and I always had a good relationship when he was here, and with Toronto and Anaheim and everything, and he was very nice about it, but he said, I really don't have any desire to discuss any of that stuff, and I just was like, man, it's really, it's, for someone like me, it's unfortunate, because the stories that he could tell, I mean, everybody, um, has bomber stories especially guys that played in the western league so it's just unfortunate that i mean i totally get it and it's obviously his prerogative to never really talk about that stuff but i there's a part of me that's yeah, just I don't like i think he likes to troll yeah no i don't think he likes it. I, yeah. I, I really don't think he feels like it's who he like him and aaron are still together yeah like we laugh like i saw them last year at the and Aaron like looks at me. She goes, "He loves you so much." I'm like, "Oh, just like Ken loves you." And I'm like, "Why?" She goes, "Because he knows you're fucking nuts." <laughs> I'm not really nuts. She goes, "No, but he does. But he's just not like that." Yeah. Like he is such a fucking family. Yeah. Too. He everything that kid does is whatever. Well, I thought after the fact, I thought after the fact, that I thought the media was very unfair to you with the whole Bloomberg thing about the whole born-again Christian thing. And, and like, my whole sure. my whole thing was, so now, if you don't know the guy, do you know he's a born-again Christian? I thought they should have yeah, got on... I don't know enough. That's what I'm saying. I thought they should have got on Nielsen for putting him out there with this. I mean, they see... You know well, what's going to happen. I said this... I said this to the media. Um, it was the only comment I made. I go, A, don't have, um, bo- you know, born-again Christianity. Like, we don't, we don't have this in our uh, portfolio. Like, when you talk about a plant, I do know that he's 6'2", 220 pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware that the coach put him on the ice. In, the, in you know, in a circumstance that could you know, escalate into a fight. Mm-hmm. So that that's my defense. Yeah. And it's so funny, like uh, Jim Smith from New York Times, whatever. He's like, man, you actually think? And I go, Jim, do you know what I don't do? I I, I don't I don't go to bed without my teeth. Mm. And just with like looked at me, he's huh. like, I go, dude, I, I go, you put people on the ice in that situation, 
I mean, you want to get mad at me? Fine. But he put him on the ice with Ron Greger, Mark Jansen, Chris Nyland, and Chris King. Yeah. yeah. So, that's a line bro. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck you want me to do. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I was very... I didn't like the way it was portrayed at all. And as far as the suspension... Well, before we get to the suspension, obviously the whole situation, I enjoyed it because, you know, you guys defended your teammate. Um, you did what you had to do, whatever... I, I loved it. I thought you made a statement. Um, but the cherry on top was you skating off the ice to the asshole serenade and you put on a ranger hat that someone had thrown on the ice. To me, that was just unbelievable. I laugh every time I see that. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's funny. They were shaking the bus when we were leaving. Mm. Guys were, like, looking at me. Like, you know, Marty McGinnis and Travis Green. And I was like, like, all these kids that I, like, love. Like, you know, like, my best friends. Like, looking at me. And they're like, you're not even scared. I'm like dude I if you let me off this bus right now I'll get back home <laughs> and they're like oh my god he's fucking like I mean just let me off the bus mm-hmm. like I, I'll get I'll I will I will make my way home yeah. I'll fuck mow people's faces down mm-hmm. but um I don't know well you I- know you like to think you are something that you're not well, I think also what people should know, because obviously there are some people that are listening to this that remember the incident, and there are some people that may not have uh, seen it live or whatever. What I think people should know is the same Ranger fans that you're talking about shaking the bus also shook the ambulance when they were trying to pull out of the garden when Patty was in there, uh, basically on the stretcher, taking the hospital. These are the same fans that were shaking the ambulance of, of the, that had Pat LaFontaine in it. So this is a class of people that we're talking about. Yeah, no, it's so relevant. Um, and again, it's it's a rivalry. It's a sports, you know. It's a sporting, whatever. It's what it is. Mm. At the end of the day, um, yeah, you want everybody to be healthy. You want everybody to be okay. Um, what? Uh, I'm not opposed to going in the garden. Yeah, no, and what I imagine that. Uh, you were not thrilled with your 10-game suspension. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, the other thing, Joe, is like I wasn't going to suspend 10 games. I was trying to bomber. Is they were going to suspend bomber. For 10 games? Like, no, it's all... Well, they were going to, like, and somebody's getting whatever, two or four. And I was like, yeah, no, Bomber didn't. And then they're like, all right, well, you'll get time. <laughs> and reality, no, Bomber didn't do anything. Bomber just said to me, look at, at the lineup. He's like, no, I got this guy. No, I got that guy. But he didn't do anything wrong. Right. I was just like, oh, kooky, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but, you, know you do what you do mm-hmm. back then. Yeah, that's how it was. And then um, I, the last question about this year was, so, like I said at the beginning when we started talking about the season, you spent the whole season with the Islanders, and um, 
notwithstanding that the, the uh, first round playoff exit. Did you feel a, a personal sense of accomplishment that year, of first full season in the NHL? And, um, you know, you had your hat-trick game and you were a regular. Al played you regularly. It did, uh, on a personal level, how did that make you feel? Um, I don't know, Joe. Like, I never thought like that. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be a part of, like, you know, um, Al always treated me well. Mm-hmm. All. And then, uh, on, on the, you know, the larger scale, like, um, you don't want to let guys down, mm-hmm. you know, like teammates, whether mm-hmm. it was Derek King or Pat Flatley or, uh, you know, Gordonine or whoever was there at that time, mm-hmm. Brett Sutter, like you just, you don't want to let people down. So yeah. as long as you're not letting people down, um, I think, you know, you're heading the right direction. Yeah. So, um... We go to the next season, and you start the season suspended, but they allow you to play in the exhibition games, and you end up playing some exhibition games against the Rangers. So uh, you played two games against the Rangers. You fought Troy Millette, Lindy Ruff, and uh, your first experience with Ty Domi, you fought him twice, including uh, one fight, I think it was at the Coliseum, where you dumped him into the Islanders bench. Do you remember that? I don't. Oh, yeah. You dumped him I into don't. the bench. Did I pick him up, or was I, it a preseason? It was preseason. I think it was preseason at the Coliseum, and a fight was along the bench, and uh, it ended up, you know, I mean, uh, instead of, I guess, body slamming him in the ice, you dumped him into the Islanders' bench. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I okay. don't. All I right. don't remember that. I, I do. I, I'll tell you this. Like, Joe, I love Ty. Like, I mean, I don't. There's not a lot of guys I don't like. I mean, I'll tell you, I don't like Rob Ray. Yeah, we're gonna talk about him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, mm-hmm. but I like Ty. I mean, um, almost everybody you fight, like mm-hmm. you play against, you either earn respect or lose respect for. Mm-hmm. But um, did you like Ty at the time? Because you guys had a rivalry. Uh, now, let, let me give you, for instance. It was obvious when you would play Buffalo that there was there was hate or disdain for Rob Ray. But when you played against Craig Berube, even though you fought him all the time, you could tell there was a respect. Now with Ty, sometimes it seemed like there was uh, you didn't like him at the time. Now obviously things change once you retire, but at the time it didn't seem like you were a big fan. Um. So all right. Well, Ty likes to make things about himself, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's never going to work for me because I consider myself, you know, like you play for your team and whether you play a lot or, you know, don't play a lot, you, you know, you get whatever. You're, you're part of the team. <clears throat> so... I typically, you know, I don't like Ty's mentality. He just seems to think that, you know, everything's about him. That, that's when he was in New York. Right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like waiting on, like, Proby. Mm-hmm. He's, like, counting, like, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I think it was a pretty amazing fight that him and Proby went through. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I mean, fuck. 
I punched him as hard as I could on top of his head. And I'm like, I can see why you would stop punching. Mm-hmm. Like the kid has a head as fucking as hard as granite. Like, yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But I also know that the game is bigger than what you are. Mm. So that's kind of where I am with that. Okay. One of the things I remember uh, from this season, I remember reading in the newspaper that I believe it was in Edmonton that you and Dave Chazowski had a fight in practice. Do you recall that incident? Uh, no, off the top of my head, I don't. But I believe Chizor and I had a fight. I mean, that's completely possible. Plus, he's from Edmonton. Um, so he's probably being a donkey about his family and so it, it all makes sense. But yes, I don't. I actually recall the incident, mm-hmm. but I'm not surprised. So this question is not necessarily specific to this season, but it is something that just came to mind. Um, on more than one occasion in your career, uh, let's just say if a goalie happened to skate as crease, uh, you may have bumped him. Is that something that um, I don't? I don't want to say it was fun, but when you saw a goalie come out, did you kind of think of bowling? Maybe you were the ball. And they were the pins. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, well, the the rules were a lot different, right? Yeah. Like, so when I started, they weren't allowed to leave the crease. Um, so you had a few goalies like Ron Hextall or you know physical goalies that didn't care. Even Tom Brassel, let's say, that were big and you know they felt they could handle themselves. But <clears throat> my personal opinion, I think it was a lot of guys like. If you're going to come out of the crease, you're fair game. Yeah. So, I mean, you only get a few shifts a period, and here's your chance. Chances are you dumped it in yourself. So Mm. now you're going to go. And then if the goalie, if he doesn't know who's on the ice, and he's going to go play the puck, yeah, I think you get run. I mean... And then whatever you decide to do after that's up to you. Mm-hmm. Like Hexy would get up and start swinging. Um, there were other goalies that just laid there and embellished. So yeah, yeah, um, I think. Uh, but teach their own. Yeah, I think you did that to Richter at least once or twice. Yes. Well, that's different. Well, those and are always uh, the best ones. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, it's, it's like, and I, I, I have so much respect for Mike Richter, but. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible for me to ignore that I'm, like, you know, playing the Rangers or they're, you know, right? it's just something I can't forget. I'm sure, like, they feel the same way about me. Yeah, and see, that's, and this is one of the things that I tell people about you that, that you know, like, obviously people in the East Coast, New York, Ranger fans, Islander fans, um, you know, that could watch you, watch you play on a nightly basis, but maybe some people out West that maybe only see you on the, on the fight tapes or, or in the box score that I always try to make them understand that you you were a big part of the rivalry when you played because you played against the Rangers like I would want to play against the Rangers or how every Islander fan would want to play against the Rangers where it wasn't that, you, you know, even if you had a friend on the other side, it didn't matter. That night during the game, it was Islanders-Rangers and you were going to make your mark. And that, the, the one thing I... I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I know I told told Mac this, that I always loved about your game was that you never changed your game no matter how many years you were in the NHL, no matter how much money you ever made. You played the same way in the NHL in your last NHL game 
as you did in the Western League. And uh, to me, as a fan, like I always love that because you always wonder if a guy. I think it was uh, in one of the Rocky movies where where Mick tells Rocky that uh, the worst thing happened to him. He got civilized. And you always wonder if a guy's going to change his change his game after a while if he makes a certain amount of money or achieves a certain level of fame. And you never ever did that. You never wavered for what from what your job is. You always played with the same intensity from your first game to your last game, and that's something that I always appreciated about you, especially in those Rangers games. No, that's an awesome compliment, Joe. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, like I think the rivalry was what it was. I valued that stuff. You know, I, I really did. Like, I think the emotional connection um, was healthy. Plus, I think at that time, I was living on Long Island year-round. Mm -hmm. So, I was exposed to a little bit more, whether it was, you know, charity softball games or running to somebody at the Oak Beach Inn, um, you know, going on a, you know, going for a fishing charter to Montauk. Like, I was just more impacted that, hey, you live here, well, then you should give a crap about what you do. And it, it did. I did. Like, I just think it was transparent, to be honest. Like, I, you know, we talk about those crazy Ranger rookie brawls. That that was trying to make a team. Mm -hmm. um, and then you fast forward, you know, five years, it, it's about, like, defending. Um, so there's a lot of things that I took personal mm -hmm. while I lived there. I love that. That's a great answer. I, I love that answer. Um, there was a game in Pittsburgh. Uh, I would imagine you remember this, and it, it, I'm sure it was completely accidental where you ended up uh, boarding trots. And as soon as it happened, you just had this look on your face like, oh, shit, what did I do? I didn't mean to do it that way. And it's, it was obvious on TV um, right away that you felt bad and I remember you immediately going over to him and it looked like you were trying to explain yourself and do you remember that? Yeah. So here, Joe, if you, can you hear this? Yeah. Alright, so here's like the most poignant um, response you'll ever get from anybody about an honest question. Brian Trachi always told me, you never say I'm sorry unless you mean to do it. And I don't know whether he's mind screwing me or trying to like whatever. I just remember him, and I can't remember whether there was a bus ride, a plane ride, whatever. But Trotz's theory was, you just never say you're sorry unless you mean to do something. Otherwise, it's understood. Okay. The first thing I do when I smoke him in from behind is say I'm sorry. Yep. And then. You see me react. I'm trying to tell him I don't mean I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, and he's just like looking at me, like he's bleeding from the forehead. But I'm just like trying to clear my conscience. I'm like, I don't mean I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I mean I'm sorry, but I don't mean I'm sorry like the way we we talk. Like I'm not. That. And and meanwhile, he's literally like I stay like you know, he's recovering from being face planted in the boards yeah no and it's funny that you say that because i i'm picturing it I, i've seen it a million times so i'm picturing it in my head and i'm i'm picturing you saying that 
with like your the way you were motioning and moving your hands and everything. And yeah, he's makes, just he's like, dude, get off me. Yeah, like it makes complete I'm sense. Like, Plus, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then as the words come out, I'm like, I'm not sorry. Right. I'm just sorry. Like mm-hmm. it, it's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, before we leave this season, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, this season was your first encounter with uh, Robert Ray of Buffalo. Uh, so yeah. Uh, this was the first of many battles you had with him, and uh, I guess if we take it in stages, um, what was your first impression of him? Because I think you had made the Islanders while he was still in the American League, so I don't think you ever beat each other in the American League, correct? Yeah, I don't know if we did, mm-hmm. and I know like Roch was like, yeah, going to Rochester was like a blackout, same with going to Hershey, like, I couldn't tell you who I thought when mm-hmm. I was in Springy, I just know that like once you got there, it it wasn't an option. Like you, stuff was going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So to be honest, I don't remember if I ran into Rob in the mm-hmm. minors. Um, yeah. Running him into the show, I didn't. He was like, uh, I mean, if that's who I got to fight on a regular basis, I'm like, I should be around a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was much different than uh, playing against Detroit or playing against um, Philadelphia, um, even the Rangers. Like, it was just, it felt different. Yeah. Um, but that that's all of a sudden who they were announcing, and I just, you know, I don't know. I don't have much to say. Like, I won't say anything bad. Okay. Well, there's, there's going to be a few other instances that I'm going to bring up with them, and you can either sure. say anything or not say anything, but... Um, so we move on to next season, and in an exhibition game against the Rangers, you had a fight with Louis DeBrusque, and uh, I think headbutted him. Was that accidental, or was it accidentally on purpose, if you remember? Yeah. No, I don't remember, but okay. I'm guessing just about every time I've headbutted, it's probably because I was uh, running out of gas, yeah. and, or um, it was a defensive aggressive just, you know, act. Like, yeah. I seldom headbutted, which I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, I seldom headbutt like as a confident move. I usually do it as a, you know, a distress. Like, okay, yeah. try this. Uh-huh. Keep swinging. I got you. I knew Louis was tough. Yeah, but oh, Louis yeah. was swinging, and I, I might have been, you know, like sometimes when you're one of those toe-to-toe fights, even if you're like engaged, you're just off. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. you're just missing enough. Mm-hmm. But you're still in the fight. Yeah. And you want to fight. So sometimes you, you know, you resort to something else. Uh, I I don't ever remember headbutting anybody, Mm -hmm. but it's completely possible. Yeah. Like, I know if I was losing in a fight, and I was like, oh, what else can I do? Yeah, I'll headbutt. (laughs) I'd probably kick you in the nuts and, you know, bite your armpit. I'll do just about anything not to fucking lose. I got you. So um, this season was where the Pat LaFontaine versus the Islanders saga came to a head, um, and there was an early early season trade. So he's the I mean he's the superstar of the team. He's one of the best players in the league, and he's just an amazing human being. Um, if you remember at the time when all that was going on, um, was was that a distraction in the locker room at all? You mean adding a hurt? No, when when um, there was an issue with him in the team that eventually led to him being traded. 
No, I, no. I, are, are you talking about okay? So the rate, the like, Patty getting traded was not a dis- discussion. Nobody believed it. Right. Um, you know, we just like, how do you? Tra- he doesn't get traded, but right. he got traded. And it was like, holy shit, he got traded. Yeah. Um, that Ranger playoff game that he got hurt in was like a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, we had talked about that already. That's why I didn't know right. because the Lafontaine thing, obviously. So I'm only reading it in the paper. So I'm reading what the reporters are putting out there. Sure. So I don't know what's going on in the locker room. And I know Patty, Patty is really good at talking to reporters. Yeah. Like, Patty is very good at getting his message out. Yes, very much so. To this day, I still, I I, I love, I love him to death. So, um, but I didn't know like, and and he's the kind of guy that I'm sure is easy to love as a teammate. Where uh, you know maybe later on down the road you had another teammate that didn't necessarily want to come here that wasn't as lovable. So that's why I didn't know if if that affected him at all. Just maybe just the uncertainty of not knowing how long he's going to be here. And like you said, who's coming back in return? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I was just. I mean, if you're asking me personally, I was disappointed that Patty left. I, I knew I knew he didn't want to go. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't think he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he might have like been like, "Hey, whatever, trade me," thinking like they wouldn't trade him. And I mean, I don't know. Like yeah. that's business, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they're like, "Okay, well, watch." Um, the return, I guess, was you know beyond what you could expect yeah. as far as talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it breaks up a team. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that that's the biggest thing, Joe, that I've always felt. Like, my favorite team was when I got called up, that 87, 88 team where Brent Sutter was the captain. Mm -hmm. There were guys I didn't like. I didn't like Greg Gilbert. Like, Mm -hmm. there were guys I just didn't like. Yeah. But there were so many guys I, like, watched and respected. Yeah. Like, Kenny Morrow could hardly walk, and yet I watched him convert into, like, something something else in an hour. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I, love, know, I so, love him. The guy's a stud. He's insane. Yeah, He's like so it was proud. amazing yeah. to watch these guys. And then, like how nice they were to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Like just, you know, like the first guy they introduced me to was, you know, Roberto. The Zamboni. Yeah, yeah, Roberto, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's like, who does that? Yeah. Like, hey, mm-hmm. come over here. You're stretching there. Come over here. You're going to come eat Roberto. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat Roberto. Then like, you know, Seven years later, you're like, well, he's waiting for me to finish getting bag skated. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's smiling at me the whole effing time. Yep. Yep. Like, it's it was amazing. The best part about you bringing up Roberto is anyone that was around the team or the rink at that time, like, you mentioned his name, and it just put a smile on my face, like, just thinking about the time where it really was... You know, people. I, I don't think people understand necessarily that they they see New York, New York, and they think big city. But the Islanders really are part of Nassau County. I mean, the whole island sure. really it's part of the community. So people like myself that were around back then and know who Roberto is, it just you mentioning him just puts a smile on my face. Yeah, yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. And I remember, like, um, I'm like thinking if I when I get done here, I'm going to Jay Sprat for pop, you know, like a lunch <laughs> pop. And he just kept smiling. He's like, Miguel. He's like, Gialato. Yeah. Gialato. I was like, get out of my way, dude. Get me off this freaking ice. I'm going for beers. Oh, it was amazing. You know, 
And then he would see me the next day, and he would smile. Like, yep, mm-hmm. that was pretty amazing. So, so um, obviously, Patty gets traded to Buffalo, and the yep. team also makes another trade with Chicago, um, yep. and bringing in all the guys. So, my favorite player out of all the new guys um, was Steve Thomas because I always sure. liked the way he played with Toronto and Chicago, just, you know, hard-nosed guy, could score, could fight, could hit. Yeah. Um, but really, you, you it really was almost like a third of the team was brand new. So how did that, was was that transition, I don't want to say seamless, because there are seven new players, but it's also seven new personalities. But how did that, how did that work when they all first got there? Well, Pat Flatley, and much I hate to give heels credit for anything, um, and Derek King, like, kind of managed that whole process. So you still got, like, you got Vladimir, uh, Malakoff, Casper, and then you got a bunch of young guys. I didn't even know who's there at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you have a transition, and it's it's going to be flats, heels, even though heels is, like, not anybody, mm-hmm. but he's somebody, and then he turns out, turns out to be, like, the guy. Mm-hmm. And, and you got Kinger. And I think they like, you know, they soften it because you got, I don't, I don't know how the lines end up that year. Yeah. Like it's Terge, Stumpy, and Kanger, mm-hmm. you know. And then I think Adam Creighton in that deal. Yeah. So Flats played with Crates. Um, so I guess you have all this adjustment. But at the end of the day, like it was really seamless, probably because flat, Flats, like Flats just, People don't think of him as like this guy, you know, that that managed everybody, but he really did. Like he managed the whole transition from ownership to general managers to coaches. You know, like I, I mean, we could fast forward or reverse whatever you want to when Mike Mil- Milbury told us that we couldn't wear jerseys for a bag skate, <laughs> and Flats went into the trainer's room and said, give me those fucking jerseys or I'm going to close the door and kill you. <laughs> and the trainers yeah. just can't, like, the, the, it wasn't the, you know, the head equipment guy. It was, it was the guys. Yeah. And the kids were, like, just handing him the flats. Yeah. And he hung them in our stall. And then Mike Milbury came in after and he, like, lost it. Yeah. But he's, you know, screaming, like, who said you could do And flats goes, listen, I'm sorry. Right? It's all me. But I've been here a while. And the one thing I do is re- I respect my jersey. Yeah. So you're not going to tell me I don't deserve to wear this jersey. I mean, we might suck right now or suck last night, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. But we're going to wear our jerseys for practice. Uh-huh. And he walked into the locker room. And I was like, holy shit, fuck. <laughs> right? Like, fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love flats. I love them. So I, I, I love hearing stories about that. And obviously, you know, to the Islander captains over the years, are, it's almost royalty, and he fits right in with that. So. Oh my God, yeah. he had so he had so much to lose, mm-hmm. um, but he he didn't care. He didn't even blink. Yeah. You know, so that's why I, he doesn't play cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I played cards with him, mm-hmm. and he smokes people. Oh yeah. And it's like. I'm like, that's why you never play cards. Because <laughs> he's like, he knows. Like, he'll only play hands that he can win. I gotcha. I gotcha. And he wins. It's like crazy. 
So, you the so far the best part of talking to you is you segue me into the, my next question so beautifully. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm boss and you're trots. It's just you know speaking of Pat Flatley, he had a highly rated television show called The Heels and Flat Show or The Flats yeah. and Heels Show, yeah. and uh, one day there it was interrupted by the Mick and Benny show. So I personally laugh my ass off every time I watch that, like it's the first time I'm watching it. I have to know whose idea was that and how did it come about? Um, so probably somebody off the sports channel or whatever, whoever that like runs that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then Hoagie, it shouldn't have been Hoagie and I, it should have been Chief and I, because we would just beat the shit up flats and Neil. But I think they thought if I put Hoagie there, then we would be more, you know, circumstantial. Like, mm -hmm. we would be more relevant to, you know, you guys are making bad comments about the country. Um, personally, that, that's Heels. Yeah. I, I just, Heels is obnoxious. I love <laughs> him, but I can he tell. Really was. Yeah, I can tell he doesn't seem like he's one of your more favorite ex-teammates. It's, it's weird, because he is. Like, I yeah. love him. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. But, I think like a lot of stuff. It goes back to that story where I hit him in the head, you know, on the hungover day, mm. and, and it's just him ratting me out. But after that, like I mean, there's so many times he's probably got shit on me that he just looked at me as like never saw, it. yeah, whatever, mm -hmm. be on the ice before me. Like he he was he's very fair. Yeah. So uh, I I don't want to say anything bad about Quinn. No, so go back, go back to the show with Benny. How much fun was that? Because it seemed like you guys were having a lot of fun. Well, we were, and I just think it's ignorant of Flats and Hills to make fun of Western Canada. Like, mm. oh, we're just going to pave it for a parking lot. <laughs> and like, it, it's actually God's country. Yeah. Like, we don't change our clocks. Everybody else does. Mm -hmm. And I fly back occasionally with all these hunters from all over North America. And they're like, hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> We're going to Saskatchewan. Huh? Mm -hmm. You're from Massachusetts. I'm like, no, nah, I live in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I don't. I'm not from. But you hunt. Oh, I go, dude. You and the stutter gotta end before we land. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. But this has to stop because mm -hmm. you're coming to God's country, and I can fix things so that nobody finds you. <laughs> And it, it is. It's like it's such God's country, and they like they come there with guns, and they're so excited. And I, I bet, I bet they have a great experience. I really do. Yeah. Well, because you shoot the biggest game. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was out there in Regina for really what I mean. The flights got all screwed up. I ended up being out there for probably less than two days total, and I am dying to go back because I feel like there's so much that I missed. I wanted. I wanted to just go around, you know, go, you know, Saskatoon and, and just go around. But I really didn't have time to see any of it other than uh, the stadium. But I'm dying to go back. People are so nice there. It's crazy. No, they're nice. No, uh, they're worse than, uh, well, I don't want to say people from Quebec, but, you know. <laughs> no, to, to, to Saskatchewanians are, are very good people. Yeah. Uh, and... You know, they're in a good place now. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like, the economy is thriving. Mm -hmm. So, let's say 10 years ago, with my parents' health, health was failing, um, 
Saskatchewan was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like, things suck. Mm-hmm. And then they decided, like, all right, well, we'll open up this port to oil. And then that just changed, you know, everybody from Alberta went to Saskatchewan. And they're doing what they were doing before, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, which is you know, resourcing oil. Like, and that's awesome. Like, I really believe that that's awesome. But, like, Saskatchewan's in the best place it's been in probably a decade. Yeah. My favorite part of the Mick and Benny show was visualizing them uh, <laughs> importing the steaks from West Canada into Ontario and uh, just the meat being so old and everything like that. I, I think that was my favorite part of, uh, of the segment. So, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, and I think Heels made a big deal about, like, food. That, yeah. like, and I just kept thinking, like, what are you eating fresh? Like, <laughs> like neon fucking glow-in-the-dark, you know, like, that's not a salmon, you know, that's not a trout, that's just, like, some glow-in-the-dark fish. Yeah. Well, Hoagie wasn't, Hoagie was such a, uh, he's so, so good, he, like, he doesn't get involved with controversy with anybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, Heels and I already butted heads. Fox and I are always going to be yeah. awesome. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I li- we lived in that same area, mm-hmm. um, North Shore. Yeah. And I felt like I could go to his house anytime I wanted. Yeah, he's that kind like, of guy. So. I would be at this bar called the Caddy Shack at 2 a.m. And Flats lived down the road. And I'd be like, I'm just going to go check out Flats. <laughs> and I mean... Him, Liz, and they'd all be in bed. I would go in the back door, downstairs, pour my shot at his bar, turn the light on, put on Neil Diamond, mm-hmm. and stand there and like bounce and start to come down. And be like, "Are we having one?" <laughs> and I was like, um, "Sorry, yes, I would like one." He's like, "Well, I appreciate you stopping by. Like, fuck, yeah. I'm so sorry." <laughs> but he never made you feel that way. Yeah. He really did. And what was your go-to Neil Diamond song? Oh, it wasn't, um, it's not the red song, it's Rosie, Rosie Red, you know the Rosie Yeah, I don't, I don't know the actual name of it, but I'm sure someone listening will know, but I know the song that's, I'm about. So that's so. it, that, that, that would be our go-to late night, mm-hmm. you know, it was like Rosie, Rosie Red, whatever, that, yeah. it, we just, that, it would just come on and Flats would correct me every fucking verse to <laughs> I was like, what? Because that's not the line. I'm yeah. like, whatever. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Oh, by the way, thanks for letting me in your house. <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't let you in my house. <laughs> I know. So Best uh, relationship. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. I, I Obviously, I'm seeing it from a fan perspective, and I didn't speak to Flats as much as say I spoke to you and Bomber and those guys, but the few times we did speak, he was always cool, always funny, so I yeah, could absolutely you, see you that. You don't think about Joe, the thing about Flats, like, I really don't think he um, ever wants credit or wants to talk about it. You know, like, yeah. you think about Bomber, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Bomber, Bomber's very um, a- avoiding of, like, that part of his life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Which I've always, I, I've known, yeah. and I knew it while I played with him. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, dude, this guy's not normal. But he could be like cuckoo. Yeah. But he's definitely not like enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Like this is, like I said, I just I knew and respected 
and he still showed up yeah. and wanted to do everything. Mm -hmm. He's like, you tell me, like, what, uh, what, what? Like, it was amazing. It yeah. really was. Yeah. Um, when it comes to flats, uh, I think he was pre completely prepared to be captain. I think there's some guys that didn't respect um, flats as captain. And I, I don't know why. Yeah. I think maybe they just didn't know. Wow, um, that's crazy. Like the physical contribution he's made. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of things about it. Like, yeah. No, he's got fans in this house, that's for sure. Who's that, Flats? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Bomber too, obviously. So, uh, but uh, speaking of Bomber, uh, this was the season he was traded to Toronto. And uh, I think he was... Uh, I know eventually he was the vice president. He may have been the vice president of the PA at the time. And I, I think that was probably a big part of why he was traded. Um, do you agree? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think the other part was um, he and I were compatible mm -hmm. when it came to numbers. Yeah. And then he made almost, I don't know, 200 more than I made. Mm -hmm. And I was, I'm a dummy, right? Like, I'll just stay there. Um, and not care. Yeah. So I think it was a combination of the union mm -hmm. and the fact that, you know, do you want to keep Bomber or do you want to keep Mick? Right. Like, who's making 300 less and, you know, we know we can manipulate. Mm -hmm. um, which they did. They offered me a three-year contract and yeah. I signed it. Oh, okay. So, so when, um, when Bomber was there, like, not to use the tag team again, but it was, you were the two heavyweights on the team. Uh, you had been in the position before where you were the lone guy, and now you're in that position again. Um, so with that being the case, do you have to change your game at all? Not change your game, but do you have to maybe think twice about doing something? Because now, if you did something in the past, Bomber was there also um, in case something else went down. But now you're the guy, uh, really the lone guy. Um, so do you have to do anything differently? I don't think so. <clears throat> I mean, I think I thought I was going to have to. Mm -hmm. But we went to Philly, and I still fought Dave Brown. Yeah. Right? Like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then we go to Washington, and I still fought Craig Bruden. Yeah. Um, I think I knew, like, Bomber didn't want to fight as much. Um, yeah. Which I, I completely understood. Mm -hmm. But when he did fight, it was so awesome. Yeah, oh. Absolutely. Um, he's just reckless, right? Yeah. Mm hmm Um So along the lines, that's kind of how our relationship went. I never I never talked to him about fighting. Yeah. Um he never asked me to do something I didn't, you know, do. Um I think the only thing is I was like I love Bomber and I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, don't hurt your hand, like I'll yeah. do this. Yeah. And he smiled and he goes, well, I didn't hurt him on you. <laughs> But I was like, oh my god, that's mm. so good. Um, yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this was the uh, this was the season of the Domi Probert fights, and late yeah. in the season, you fought Ty again, and yeah. uh, you did very well in this fight. And after the fight, you lifted up your jersey, and uh, I think you were looking for the championship belt. I know you remember or, this one. Or I was just pulling up the belt on my hockey pants. <laughs> you had suspenders. No. No? No. No. I think you had suspenders. You can look again. I'm going to look again when we're done, but I think yeah. you had suspenders. I think you were looking for the gold. 
No. no. I think every the reporters, everybody was like, oh, are you saying you're the champ now? I was like, that's the only belt that holds my pants up are the ones that get me to work. <laughs> All right. Jean, and I'll swear, I, I mean, I, you'll see, you'll look. There's no mm -hmm. suspenders. Okay. It's a belt. All right. And Let and I honestly, it was relative to Ty th Ty's thing about the belt. That's what I was going to say. Chap. That's what I was going to say. Is relative. Yes. Okay. But you want to know why I did it? It's like my belt holds my hockey pants up. That's it. Okay. Yeah. I would rephrase it because I would not do that. Right. Throw that out and then be like, wait, now Bob Probert thinks. I right. Right. Idea. And yeah. it's not that I won't fight Proby. Mm -hmm. It's just like I would, I'm not that disrespectful. Right. Yeah, and that's that's what I meant. I didn't mean that you were saying you were the champ. I was I was saying in reference to what he did after the fight with Probert, where he was uh, doing the belt thing. That's what I meant. Strictly in a in a not a response, but in a relation to what he did. Not that. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was all relative, and yeah, it was definitely like within response to that week. Absolutely, I think he fought Proby two days earlier. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I, I, I sit there and I watch Proby pound on his head. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would have stopped. Yeah. You can't, you can't knock him out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I yeah. mean, I don't know what you can do. No, Just I keep don't. punching the back of this granite skull. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. He's a tough, and he's tough. He's absolutely tough. Yeah. So, um, your last fight of the year, um, you fought Twister uh, in Quebec. And I only bring this up because this was the year that you had your career high in penalty minutes with 293. And I don't know how accurate this is, but that season, starting with the exhibition to that fight, um, you had 37 majors. So in terms of numbers, those are pretty staggering numbers. But I think it's also pretty cool because you were there, again, the whole season. So it's like you're now established and everything. Um, so when you think about that, like, you know, again, we go back to you talking about Nor uh, North Battleford where you didn't name tag and they crossed out the name and they wrote Mike and now here you are playing in the NHL. You're putting up almost 300 pins for uh, a, a team in New York. It's got to be pretty cool. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember and, and I guess I don't want to say like uh, aware of all those statistics. Right. I mean, I believe you. Yeah. I just, I don't, um, at that time, I mean, it was so simple. Yeah. Like, honestly, like the next year, I know there's going to be three guys at camp. Mm -hmm. So I get to go home for, I don't know, four weeks, maybe six, and jump in the boat, do some, you know, water skiing, hang out with my friends from high school. And then literally, there was going to be uh, a plane ticket back to New York and all you think about from Saskatchewan to Toronto to the plane change to New York is like I don't have a job yeah. like I have to go get a job yeah. and then you get there and now you start reading you know um, Derek Laxdahl or uh, Mean Jeans Kit yeah. like you know, and, and it's like, oh, these guys are huge. And it's still, you know, not just college players, but they're huge. Yeah. Bigger than me. Was Oberlin so big? I don't know how big he was. How big was he? 
Pooh Bennett. I mean, uh, um, oh, Todd Oakland was my roommate. Yeah. He is six three, two thirty five. Oh shit! I didn't know he was that big. No, he's super tall. Yeah. Um, I don't think he was super heavy. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I, I knew I knew Derek from the and he was like, you know, my size, but yeah. he could fight. Yeah. Like you just kind of like you knew it wasn't nobody was going away, mm. right? Yeah. Like so, then you walk around and. Now you're going to camp, and then you're wondering when you... Now you got to look at a list, right? Mm -hmm. When do you play? Like, what list do you want? Mm -hmm. And you look at your list, and then you all check out their list. You're like, oh, my God. So he's loading up. Yeah. Both guys playing. So there's no list. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. um, well, this is part of the reason why I respect you guys so much, because the... The role is, you know, a guy that scores 30, 40 goals every year, his, his spot is secure. And for you guys, it's almost like you can never rest on your laurels. And not that you would. I don't. I think the nature of the role and someone who's successful at it is someone who would never rest. But you couldn't even if you wanted to because, like you said, for every successful season you had, there's two or three new guys waiting to take your job next year. And to me just the, one of the mental parts of the role that I just, I really admire you guys for everything that goes into it. No, I appreciate that, John. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, yes, like you're absolutely right. And it's not just directed obviously at me. Yeah. We have other friends that are in the, you know, uh, this type of industry and yeah, mm -hmm. like if you sit there and wonder what's going to happen, my opinion is, chances are, it's going to happen. Yeah. Thus concludes part two of my Mick Vakoda interview. Uh, I apologize again for the technical issues. Hopefully it didn't deter from you enjoying that episode. I thank Mick very much for his time. Stay tuned. One week from today, I bring you the conclusion of my interview with Mick. And uh, I know you're going to enjoy that because there have been a few people asking me about uh, his opinions on specific people and topics. And I think we hit on all of those next week. So until then, have a great week, everybody.